Um, what are four words? Can you just, just think for a minute? Four words that would have a big impact. Just, just think. Don't say it loud. Just four words that might have a big impact. Uh, Pam's with me and my wife here, and so we, we get the chance to go down to different churches on a Sunday morning to speak, and uh, so wherever we sit, we go, and we're displacing somebody. So it could be, this is my seat, because we're sitting in your seat, and we do apologize. How about all you can eat? Those are powerful words. Like, and if you're a guy and you go to the buffet, you, you, you want to rise to the occasion and like, make them pay for all you can eat. Um, how stupid are you? Those would be four words that would have, like, some impact. Tyson won the lottery. Could be a credentialing issue, but that, that's okay. Um, the job is yours. So you go to apply, and, and you get a call, and they say, the job is yours. Um, or the doctor's doc, doctor calls says the test was positive. Like, four words that can make a huge impact. Or, uh, will you marry me? Those are words that change life for a long, long time. Well, this morning, I, I've got four words I want to share with you that I, I dare to say would change everything about your life. Four words that, that could change everything about your life. Um, as Tyson said, I, I, I'm from the college, and so my first priority is to handle the Word of God this morning. In a moment, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, so if you have a Bible, you could open or swipe on your device to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment, but uh, I am from Vanguard College, as Tyson mentioned. Um, uh, I miss Tyson, because he was my, he's still my friend. He calls me my friend. I'm, I'm so happy. I need a tissue, but I'm glad we're still friends. Uh, and we do have a chance to uh, just invest in the lives of not just young adults, but also people who are a little bit older, who God gets a hold of them. And so uh, it's a fun thing. Uh, we have a Pursue X, a, a gap year that we run. Uh, we've got a one-year biblical foundations course for people who, before they go off to do other things, can spend a year just building a, a, a biblical foundation in their life. Uh, and then we do our degrees where we're actually training people to be Tyson Howells or Pastor Matt's. That's, that's kind of what we do. And uh, so we have a little booth at the, at the back. If you've got questions, uh, happy to answer you. Uh, we have wonderful, generous scholarships. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, a new thing that's happened this year at Vanguard College due to a really incredible, generous endowment that we received is all of our students receive spiritual direction. If you don't know what that is, it's just one-on-one -on -one sessions with a spiritual director throughout the year that just helps students just to be attentive to God's presence and voice in their life. And so that's been a new and exciting thing that we've, we've uh, had going this year and we're very excited about that. So back to the four words. Uh, four words that will change everything about your life. Um, these four words are good news kinds of words. No question about it. I, I don't know how you get your news these days. Uh, anyone still watch the news on TV, maybe? Uh, uh, on your internet, on your phone? Um, uh, does anyone ever still get a newspaper? Are there still newspapers in Edmonton? There are, okay, there's, so there, there's headlines there, right? Um, I don't know how you get your news, but a lot of the news we hear today is usually bad news. Uh, there are wars, there are scandals, there are diseases, there are shortages, um, all kinds of things, and it's usually bad news. And, and social media is dominated by all these messages, and we all know, we've learned about the algorithm, right? Uh, whatever you click on on the social media, you're going to get more of the same, because it'll feed it back towards all kinds of bad news. But imagine if you, if you opened up your social media go-to page and the headline was just these words, you are saved by grace. That's good news. I know what some of you are thinking, 
this guy can't even count. Those are five words. Those are five words. I, it's okay. Those are not the five words, or the four words that I'm going to get to. So, so just relax. I, I, I can count. I can count. These are five words that will lead us towards four words that are really summarized by one word. Confused yet? Excellent. Excellent. Um, Ephesians, if you got that open on your device or, or your old school hard copy Bible. Uh, Ephesians, it's a letter in the Bible, and, and much of the New Testament was written by uh, this person. The first time we meet him, his name was Saul. Um, he was Jewish. Uh, by, his, by his upraising, uh, he was zealously Jewish in his spiritual faith. Uh, he, was, he had the best education. He had Roman citizenship, which gave him all kinds of perks in the world in which he lived. He was very zealous for the Jewish faith. In fact, when these new people called Christians or Christ followers came along, he was adamantly opposed and he was trying to get rid of all of them. But one day, this Saul meets Jesus and everything changed, including his name from Saul to Paul. And so Paul will spend the rest of his life telling other people about this Jesus that he met because Jesus changed everything in his life. And, and, and part of that going, and he'd go to new places and he'd tell people, and, and after a minute there'd be a city south pop up where, wherever he would go. And people would come together who had believed in Jesus and they'd begin to come together just to follow Christ together. Uh, and then Paul would feel prompted, just led to, to write letters. He didn't have social media. He couldn't text. He couldn't direct message to anybody. But he used the technology of a, of a quill, a papyrus, and he wrote letters to different churches about different matters that were just on his heart, on his mind. And Ephesians is one of those letters that, that Paul writes to people living in a place called Ephesus. So I just want to read this, the first 10 verses of, of Ephesians chapter 10. Uh, you can keep your Bible open, keep your device open. If you get bored, listen to me. Just read more of the Bible. It'll be good for you. Oh, there's a few last. Excellent. That's encouraging. So Paul writes this, second chapter. And by the way, we put the chapters in like Paul wasn't writing a letter in chapters. We did that just so we can reference it. Just. So in our chapter 2, Paul says, that, And you, you were all dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit, now working in the disobedient. We too, all, previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Well, that's a happy news so far, isn't it? But God... But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. There's those five words. We'll, we'll read them one more time in a moment. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by, say it, grace. You're saved by grace. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, craving Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You are saved by grace. 
You are saved by grace. Saved by grace. Saved. So let's start. So with these four words, I'm going to cheat. They're going to be in, in three two-word things, and one word's going to appear every time. So the word say we're saved from something. The word saved means that there was some kind of danger, some kind of peril going on. And so Paul says we, we're saved from something. The definition of save is to keep safe or rescue something or someone from harm or danger. That's what it means to be saved. So when I was about five years of age, our family had a, a cottage at Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp uh, in Coburg, Ontario, on, on, on Lake Ontario. I'm from Ontario. Please don't hiss or spit at me. Um, but in Ontario, we actually have great lakes. Sorry. Um, so I'm five years of age. Uh, camp wasn't on, um, but I was there with my mom. Uh, another family was visiting us, uh, and there used to be some, some docks that went out into the water uh, in Lake Ontario. Not a lot of people around. Dr. Olson was there, because Dr. Olson had been painting his cottage all week long. And myself with another little girl, about my same age, uh, we found an empty paint can. We didn't have Nintendo Switch. So we found an we, we found empty paint can and two branches. And we went down at the end of this dock where the water was deep, and we had this paint can floating in the water, and we were playing with it with our sticks. I don't know what we were thinking, but we didn't have Nintendo Switch. We had the Switch of the branch. Uh, so we're just doing that thing, and I don't know what happened, but at some point in time, there was some kind of a disagreement, and this young girl, this lady, f- pushed me off the dock, and I could not swim. And I have memories of just being in the water and just being frantic and bobbing up and down. I could hear her screaming as well. And uh, three or four times, up and under, up and under, and lots of panic. And all of a sudden, there was the hand of Dr. Olson, who heard the commotion, ran down from his cottage, and Dr. Olson's hand grabbed me and saved me from drowning. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here this morning. I wouldn't be married to Pam. I wouldn't have kids. I was saved from drowning. So when Paul says you're saved by grace, we are saved from something. And Paul actually, he lists all the things in a different way, but different ways he lists the things that we are saved from. He said that you were, he says it twice, you were dead in your trespasses. Trespass is a really fancy word for sin, doing the wrong thing. The Bible def- defines sin as falling short, missing the mark. But, but Paul says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Like, sin does not produce life. The same Paul will write to church uh, believers in Rome, uh, um, and, and when he writes to the church in Rome, he says a couple things that are really familiar. In, in chapter 323, he says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, every one of us. Like, don't look to your left or right, but you're, you're surrounded by sinners this morning. Grab your di- device, your phone, make sure, you know. Uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul says. It, it, it's a human universal condition. And not only that, Paul goes on a few chapters later, says that not only are we all sinners, because the price tag of sin is death. Like sin does not produce life, it sucks life out of you. So that, that's a huge concern. And Paul says we're actually saved, like when, when you're dead and you're trespassing, there's, there's no future. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to look forward to. 
but we're saved from that. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul says, and, and, and in that state, we previously lived according to the ways of this world. I've met some people who, investigating Jesus and the church, and they go, I, I don't want to give my life to Jesus because I, I want to keep on doing my own thing. That, that's the right, I, I want freedom. But, but Paul says the reality is that before Jesus, we weren't all that free. I mentioned the algorithm in social media that the more you click on, the more you get the same. Well, well Paul says there's, there's an algorithm in the spirit, spiritual realm in this world and that when we think we're doing our own thing, we're actually being controlled and manipulated. That's how we were living. We were living according to the ways of this world. We weren't doing our own thing. We were being manipulated. According to the power of the, uh, of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. That's what I'm saying. I was dead. I, I was living this meaningless living, being, being manipulated by other forces. He goes on to say in a different way, he goes, um, we were carrying out our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations. We were living according to our glands, just looking for the next thrill, the next passion. That's the way we were living before we were saved. And then Paul says it really, in a really serious way, and and this is not a popular way to talk anymore, but this is the reality. Paul says, and we were by nature, verse 3, we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Like, we were, un- like, no one likes, no one likes to hear about that. Um, this is going back now maybe a year and a half, walking to our super mailbox. I always say that because I, I, I lived when we went from door delivery to the super mailbox, so I still remember that super mailbox feeling. Um, I'm walking to the super mailbox in, 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 in our place we live in Shore Park, and, and I opened the mail, got some stuff out, and of course there was, a bunch, so there was some junk mail. Uh, there's one of Pam's magazines there. That was nice for her. And, and then there was this, this kind of like beigey, nondescript, envelope from the city of Edmonton with a little window and my name and my address was in the little window you know so I oh that's nice and so I I opened it up and you know the city of Edmonton is so thoughtful like someone decided to take a picture of my car one day they took a picture of my vehicle I was coming down 127th you know and they they were just so kind to take a picture of my vehicle and said that I was going 60 in a 50 zone actually I was going 64 in a 50 zone I thought it was 60 I was still speeding that that's not the point um it was a photo radar how many no I'm not gonna ask um listen that ticket was wrath that's judgment I, I broke the law I was speeding and I know exactly the day it happened. I had been meeting Steve Herzog. I was late for something. And, and I didn't realize it had gone from 60 to 50. Oh, I was guilty of breaking the speed limit. And there, there was in the mail, <laughs> my photo radar. That was judgment. Wrath. Consequence. The fact is that without grace, we are all living under the consequence of sin. And Paul says it's, it's, it's universal. Like, every one of us have fallen short. Every one of us. And the price tag is death. And Paul says you were, you were dead in your sin. There, there was no future to hope for, to look forward to. Now or in eternity, there's a consequence. But Paul says that we were saved from that. You've been saved by grace. 
which means I'm no longer dead in my sin. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. I'm no, no longer living a meaningless, manipulated, uh, gland-driven life. I have purpose in my life. And I'm no longer under judgment. I, I've got the hope and the promise from God. So saved from. Saved by. So by is the next new word. It's verse 4. But God. I love the fact that the Bible's got these wonderful places where you hear, but God. Here's the reality, but God, the bigger reality. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, we're saved by grace. As a little kid, like, when I was the little kids who all ran out of here to their, their time of ministry and teaching, I remember as a little kid learning about mercy and grace. In Sunday school, we called it. And I was told that mercy means, mercy means I don't receive what I do deserve, and grace means I receive what I could never earn or deserve. And here God's got all that going on. He's rich in mercy. He has great love for us, and by his grace we're saved. So mercy means I don't receive what I do deserve. Grace means I receive what I can never deserve, earn, or achieve. Uh, Wayne Grudem, is a, it's, a test, it's a textbook from Vanguard College that students love to buy and spend money on. Um, and all the Vanguard students said, quietly. He says this, this is how he defines grace. God's goodness towards those who only deserve punishment because they are sinners. God's goodness towards you and I who only deserve punishment because we are sinners. Another theologian by the name of Burkhoff said, it's God's free, sovereign, undeserved favor or love to man or woman in their state of sin and guilt which manifests itself in the forgiveness of sin and the deliverance from its penalty. We've been saved from something that was just pretty horrific. Dead in our sin, meaningless living, nothing to hope for, under wrath. And now we're, we learn that we're saved by grace, nothing we could ever do for ourselves. Uh, when Pam and I still lived in the Toronto area, uh, I was working on my master's and at Tyndale University, and uh, it was a week-long mod course on the Thursday, I think it was. Wednesday, Thursday, doesn't really matter. Um, class got a little bit earlier, and I was, I was on the board of, of what was called Shepherd Village, similar to Shepherd's Care here in, in our city, and, and so I, I had a working meeting that night, so I, I left the school in a hurry thinking, if I can get there early, I can get some work done before the meeting, so I pulled out of from where Tyndall is, pulled on to Bayview Avenue going south in Toronto, um, I sped, that's an important word here, I sped by one of my classmates, she was a Salvation Army captain, and I waved at her as I drove, as I sped by her, and, and Whip down Baby Avenue, and uh, before you know it, at the next side street, an officer just steps out and does this. So I pulled over. Uh, then I opened my glove box, which now felt like an archaeological dig. There was more paper in that than my recycling bin at home. And now I'm trying to rifle through all the things, and I cannot find my most recent, most, most recent registration or insurance. So after about 15 minutes, I drive away not with one, not with two, but with three tickets. 
I know you started thinking, Tyson, who's this guy that you brought to speak at our church? He's a lawbreaker. That's all he does is break the law. Um, so here I am. But the, but the officer said this. The officer said this. He said, you know, if you make a court date and you show up with the right paperwork, they may waive two of those tickets. I'm going, that sounds like a good idea. I'll do that. So later that week, I, I went to the courthouse and all, I was just going to book a court appointment. I was not going to see anybody, just to book a court appointment. And so I walked in this room that was surrounded by all these teller booths all around the room, and you stood in line, you waited for one of these people, and they would give you a date when you could come and, and appear before a judge. Um, that's all it was. It was just, you were just booking a court date, uh, but there was a large Orthodox Jewish man there. He was wearing his hat, his ringlets on the side, of, and he had a really booming voice. A- and he was there, and he was going, I want mercy! I want mercy! So he was always breaking the law too, but he, I want mercy! I'm going, I, I love mercy. I would love some mercy. So I booked my court appointment, and six months later, I show up to go to court. First time in my life. I've never done this before. Um, They're waiting for the doors of the courtroom to open, and there's a bunch of people around me. They're all guilty people. They've done something. I know I was guilty of sin. I was speeding. Oh, by the way, the Salvation Army officer, as I was pulling into the side street, she waved back at me and smiled. But I think she smiled too big. It was a bit of a sin in her life, but that's okay. Um, So I I get this, and I, so there's this whole lineup when you come in, and you got to check yourself in. And as I get closer, I can see the person check in saying, would you plead guilty to a lesser charge? It'll be less money and less of a fine. I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, yes, I will do that. Because I'm guilty of sin, folks. I was speeding. I was guilty of sin. And so I, when, when, when she said, the same officer said, yes, I'd be happy to plead guilty to a lesser charge because I'm guilty of sin. And, and then I wait. And finally... Mark McKnight, my name's called. So I come up and I stand before the judge up in his raised uh, uh, docket there. And, and then the sweetest words I've ever heard in my life. From the side, someone said this. Officer not attending. All charges waived. Listen, folks, I was guilty of sin. I, I went looking for mercy and I got grace. I went looking for mercy, and I received grace that day. Paul says we're saved by grace. There, there's nothing any of us could do. Like, we can't live a good enough life. We can't get enough money. We can't, it's not some performance-based religion. We can't do enough good things in our lives to make up for our sin. We can't do it. Paul says it's, it's, it's grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is God's gift. So none of you can boast. None of you can walk around saying, well, I'm holier than you are. No, you're a bunch of sinners. Saved by grace. Saved by grace. It, it's, it's so easy if we're not careful. We, 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 we want to do something. We want to be good enough. We want to earn. We want to control ourselves, but we can't. Uh, there's an author, his name uh, is Stephen James, in a, in a book called Sailing Between the Stars. Just this little story he tells in his own life. A few years ago, a friend of mine gave me his minivan. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Um, He knew that my wife and I didn't have much money, that we were struggling to make ends meet, and that we had a growing family. So he prayed about it and thought God wanted him to give us his minivan. So he did. At first, when he offered, the author says, "I I was hesitant. Well, how much do you want for it? Nothing. I'm giving it to you. Um, Well, I'll give you as much as I can for it. 
I don't want anything. Well, a couple thousand dollars at least. No. But then I'll always feel like I owe you something. Come on, I'll feel better if, if at least I can pay you. And the man said, I don't want you to feel better. I want you to say thank you. I swallowed hard. Thank you. You're welcome, he said. And then the author just writes this. There's nothing more annoying than grace. Oh, we like to control. We like to, I earned it. I achieved it. I did it. I purchased it. But listen, this idea of grace, it's, it's, it's a big, in fact, there's a rumor going around that it may even be amazing. We're saved by grace. Nothing I did. I'd, in Titus 2, 11, 12, we read, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. So it saves us, but it also instructs us to deny godlessness. It, it helps me to live the right kind of life. Paul says, when he writes to the Church of Corinthians, I am what I am by my education. No, no. I am what I am by my, by my salary. No, no. I, I am what I am by the square footage of my house I own. No, no. I am what I am by the grace of God. 2 Peter 3.18, we're told to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like to, to, grace is not some static thing. It's not a bumper sticker, but just to begin to learn and grow about, in what grace is all about. And then I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's talking about all the things he was going through personally, a real personal struggle. He says, listen, the Lord spoke to me and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. If you really want to know a, a profound definition of sufficient, it just it's enough. God's grace is enough for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're, God's grace is enough, period, full stop. I, I would pray that City South that you'd be a people of grace, that this would be a grace place, not because of the building, not because of the programming, because you are people of grace yourselves. The world needs less religion and a whole lot more grace. Would you agree? So we're saved from something, we're saved by something, and we're not quite done. We're saved for something. So saved is used three times, just for the record, so I can do the math. From, by, and for. And the last verse is just, it's so familiar. Paul says we, all of us, in this place this morning, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Like, you and I are God's workmanship. One, one translation says we are his masterpiece. Another one uses the term handiwork. There's another, a newer translation says, we are his piece of poetry. We are God's workmanship. He made us. He made us, and he made us for something. We're not just saved from being dead in our sins. Thank God for that, but we're saved for purpose. We are his workmanship, and God's got something. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. God does both the making and the saving. So God made us in the first place. 
<laughs> I, if I was to go around and do an inventory in my house, and your household, I'm sure, maybe 80% of the stuff we own was made in China, probably. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's made in China. It's made in China. It's made, like, a lot of things are made in China. None of us were made in China. Even if your family was from and you were born in China, you were not made in China. You are his workmanship. His, his fingerprint is all over your life, Paul says. And, and he made you, he created you. Eugene Peterson said, the making and the saving. He creates us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we better be doing. So I'm not living for Freedom 55. I'm not living for that next great vacation. I'm not living for a, a summer home. I, I'm, I'm his workmanship, and I'm living for the good works that God has waiting for me to walk into. Good works. You want to know what those good works are? It's God's works. Pretty simple. Uh, Jesus, early on in his ministry, he reads from uh, the prophet Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Uh, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free of those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of God's favor. That's God's, that's the good work. That's the good work. And, and, and you and I have been saved not just from, not just by, but we're saved for this. It's not just Tyson and, and Pastor Matt who do the work of the ministry. It's all of us. We, we were saved for good works that God's got waiting for us to do that he wants you and I to walk into. Um, so let me just wrap up the thoughts briefly here. Do you believe it when the preacher says briefly? Skill testing question. Yeah. Saved by, saved from, saved by, saved for grace. Oh, I, I would pray I would pray that grace would mark this place. That grace would mark each one of our lives. And it, it, would, it, would, it would shape what we do and how we do it because of God's grace in our life. Because I'm the stranger here this morning, not just strange, I'm the stranger. I don't know who's in the room, who's not in the room. But if you're here, and you're here because you're, you're drawn to this place. Pastor Tyson talked about the, the community. You're just drawn. You like the community in this place. It, it draws you. You feel safe here and welcome. But, but you're kind of exploring this whole thing about Jesus. Well, this morning would be a great time to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross over that faith line. The, I, I've been hearing about this, that Jesus wants to save me. Like, he saves us. From being dead in sin, meaningless living, looking for the next party, he saves us from all of that and makes us alive in Christ Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you've never actually made that kind of a decision, this would be a great decision to make this morning. Can I ask you just to close your eyes for a moment? Just, just for a moment, just a, a private moment. And I want you just to be, if that's you, I, just, I would love you just to, to take a step of saying, yeah, I'm going to, I want grace to come into my life and make the difference. And I ask people just to close their eyes just so it's a private moment. And if you're here this morning, you go, that's me, Mark, that's me. I, I want grace to happen in my life. Just You gotta just look at me eyeball to eyeball or just raise your hand so I know. And I just love to pray for you. Just gonna take a minute, look across. Okay. So Lord, 
I just pray for those this morning who I think they look my way, but God, you know that there'd be a place of just saying, I, I, know, I, I, I know about sin, and my life is just, it's, it's not making sense, but today I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for my sin. Would you forgive me, cleanse me, and give me new life? Give me new life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if that's in your heart, then talk to somebody after the service. Um, two really quick things. The same Paul goes on, he writes in, later in the letter, the fact that Jesus gave to the church certain gifts, their leadership gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And I, wherever I'm going these days, I'm just, I'm just I try to be attentive to what God may be saying in people's hearts, whether they be 18 or 38 or 68 where God just calls people towards serving in ministry. And if God, for me it happened when I was 14 at the end of a service at the back of a church under the balcony in an old floor where I missed most of the service. But I just knew God was saying, Mark, I'm calling you to be a pastor. And if you're here this morning and, and God's been speaking to you for a while, pay attention to that. It's, it's not always an easy life, but it's a great life. It's a rewarding life. Um, and Vanguard College is here to help serve and come alongside people with that similar kind of a story. But, but this is the last thing I, I, I want to just kind of come to this morning. Uh, the tagline of City South is real people becoming like Jesus and introducing others to him. Sounds like his good works. That's the good works that you, you and I have been saved to. And not just saved to, to get out of hell. Like, it's not just fire insurance. Um, we've, we've been called to share this news with other people. And, and so I just, I just really believe that God wants to continue, not to start, but to continue to work through City South as a grace place because it's filled by people who just experience grace. Dr. Franklin, I heard him say it once. It wasn't original with him, but... He said that this, this idea of, of help, introducing him to other people, evangelism, witness, whatever you want to call it, he said it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. It's pretty simple. So when we've experienced grace, and like it's, it's amazing, and it's changed our lives, just let that, let that grace kind of, kind of leak out of you so other people are just touched by it. Like great, listen, in this world uh, of controversy, polarization, uh, opinions, uh, all kinds of social media stuff, in this world, when people get to begin to experience the goodness of God through his grace, it makes a difference. It draws people going, I want that. Uh, as, as we're in worship this morning, I was uh, thinking, and I already knew what I was preaching on, but there's a bit of a summary statement at the end of Acts chapter 4. And I want to I speak this over City South this morning. Now the entire group of City South, those who believed, were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that they, any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. They, they, they took care of each other. And with Tyson winning their lottery, that's really good news. With great power, 
the apostles, the followers of Christ, with great power, the followers of Christ were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like with, with, not in their own strength, but with great power, they, they were letting other people know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he's alive. And then it says this, and great grace was upon them all. Oh, friends, our city, Millwoods, needs a place where God's grace is upon it. Our world needs people where God's grace is greatly upon us, and it spills out. And if people jostle you at Costco or in the parking lot, what comes out is grace, not your flesh. Can I just pray with you? Um, thanks. You didn't say yes, but I'm going to pray anyways, right? You know that. Preachers, my goodness. Father God, I just pray for City South this morning. I say City South as a covering for each person who's part of it. The Bible, God, makes some things abundantly clear that, that we come individually to you. We do. We, we come individually, but then you, you, you birth us in. You, you engraft us into this, this community of faith. And, and God, this community of faith is not warm and wonderful because of a leader or because of a building or because of a program, but it's because we have something in common, and it's grace. So, Lord, I, I just pray for this community of believers who've experienced grace. As Peter says, would they continue to grow in grace and the knowledge? Not just, not a bumper sticker, but they, they're, they're growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. May great grace be upon this place. That we would be marked by grace that grace would motivate what we do and how we do it. And so, Lord, as we are authentic people who are following after you, we are people who have been marked by grace, and may that grace in us leak out to other people. May it be evident, may it be obvious, and may people be drawn to your goodness. Paul says that your kindness leads to repentance. Your grace, your goodness towards us leads towards others even repenting. So I just pray, God, that we would be people of grace. May this be a grace place because each one of us are walking in the grace and the goodness of God. And I thank you, Lord, for the others who are right now dead in their trespasses and sin, living empty, meaningless, living for the next party kind of lives who are going to be made alive in Christ Jesus because of your grace in us and through us. Lord, I pray, even this week, even this week, as we leave this place, not just business as usual, not just going through every day and just going through our routines, routines, but God, may each one of us be attentive to those moments, those good works, because you've got them waiting for us to walk into this week. Good works that we can, moments we can walk into and grace can be imparted to other people. God, I give you thanks. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless this place, the leadership, each one who's part of it, and may they be marked.